time with your babies. Yes, we are glad to be here. It's always a joy for us to be with you. And um, my presentation is changing just a little bit. I used to do a full multimedia presentation. And now, back in about the middle of the pandemic, and the Lord dealt with me about preaching and begin to lay messages on my heart to preach to you when I come in. And so we're going to bring you up to date on what's going on, tell you where we think we're going. Um, and then I want to preach to you a message this morning that I am sure in my heart God gave me and helped me to write. We'll be preaching that for you this morning. We are still doing children. <laughs> Um, there's, uh, I, I said a time or two that it may be that God just gave me these kids for me to enjoy. I don't know. But we have um, uh, four soup kitchens in uh, Chimbote, Peru. We have um, one in Punta Arenas, Costa Rica, uh, that we feed children. And these children not only get fed, they get taught the word of God. And so we're excited about that. Uh, we had some problems. The pandemic has forever changed this world uh, for a lot of reasons. I'm not going to go into what the reasons are, but I can tell you that during that pandemic, almost everybody quit doing their night services. And uh, so it's almost impossible to do two services on one weekend. When I first started doing this, I had two services every weekend, almost every weekend. And I panicked if I didn't. Now, it just simply is not possible because not that many people are actually doing that. And so most people have one service on Sunday morning. Some people have a service on Wednesday night, and some that service on Sunday morning is about all they have. Um, so it has weakened the church, and it has weakened the work of missions. Uh, for a while there, we could not go into Peru. It was for quite some time there where we couldn't go in. And so that has made a marked difference. But we are back to doing the children's ministry. We never really quit doing the children's ministry. And uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about that, and I have a video. Uh, we like to go uh, down uh, just, bef uh, just before Thanksgiving and uh, be with the children. And we did that this past year uh, in 22. And uh, we had a great time. I'm going to show you a video in a few moments. But we still have a bunch of kids that were feeding and when we go down with them, we give them clothes, and we love on them, and we talk to them about the Lord. We have parties with them, and we just, in general, let them know that we love them. One mother told me, and I'm sure many of them could have told her, but she came to me and said, this is the only time my son has ever had new shoes. Uh, one little boy was just ecstatic because he was going to get underwear. He didn't have any underwear. And he thought that was wonderful that he might have some underwear to wear. Are there children that are worse off than these are? Yes, they are. But these are the ones that God gave me to work with. And these are bad enough. Their houses don't have indoor plumbing. A lot of them don't. Some of them don't even have a roof. The walls are made out of plastic and paper and stuff like that. So it's a terrible place for them to live. Uh, a lady who started working with me on the mission field is now working an area around a city dump uh, where she is working with these children. Many of them can't read and write, and it's just uh, she is doing a wonderful job there. And in times gone by, you probably saw her on some of the videos that we did. Her name was Tammy. 
and she is doing that. So this, this ministry has proliferated in many ways, and several people have worked with me and then develop, begin to develop their own ministry uh, in these areas. This coming of uh, the before um, the week before uh, Thanksgiving of this year, we're going to be going down to work with the kids. If anybody would like to go, you'd be welcome to go. It's uh, it's expensive. There's nothing I can do about it. It just costs a lot of money. It'd be $1,500 more or less. Uh, we'll have to deal with that at the time, depending on where you fly out of and what the prices of the tickets are. And then, of course, I have to, to have money to take care of you while you're there. And so we're trying to get some uh, love for you to go, Pastor, and see the kids down there and be with us this coming Thanksgiving. Uh, this coming, uh, it's, uh, we do it for Christmas, but we actually do it before Thanksgiving because the tickets are so expensive at Christmas time, and people don't want to leave at that time of the year to go down there. So we do go down and go Christmas with them. Uh, this past year, we were back down with them, and if you'll roll that Christmas video, I appreciate it. Take a look at what we're doing here if you got it ready to go. Here we go. Here's a short video of the highlights of our Christmas celebration with our children in Chimbote. I went alone this year, but the kids missed the group. Please plan on going with us in 2023. Let's get our Christmas celebration back to normal. And remember, without your continued support, none of this could happen. Hello everybody, we're here in front of Campo Nuevo. This is the first Christmas party that we're having. Be right behind me here. We're going to have a great time tonight, do a lot of good stuff. Come on along and let's watch the kids and see them have a ball. That little boy right there is dead serious about eating. That is the House of Mercy, that's what they call it. We call it a different name, but they call it the House of Mercy. Boxes has got shoes in them. They they take a bag and they go up there and they get uh, the, all of their stuff. Their clothes we've already bought of it by the time we get to this point. So that's their shoes and their clothes and their underwear. They get all that and take it back to the seat with them. Then we all open it together at the same time. This is some of my friends here at Ladatus del Sud. This is, I believe, the second soup kitchen we built. Uh, we did not build this building, we planted the soup kitchen. Tammy Owens actually paid for and built this. 
we're very grateful for that. Was our first soup kitchen, Casa de Esperanza, House of Hope. There's one there in that town. Now watch them. Watch, watch the first thing that comes out at Box of Shoes. They are excited about the shoes. Reminds me of my wife. Had 50 pair when I married her. Last day, we brought them all together into one building and had a wonderful worship service with them. And uh, that's all them there. This building flooded after we left there and really messed up the building. Somebody say, praise the Lord. You can, you can stop. Thank you, ma'am. Appreciate them handling that back there. And congratulations on the first one I've ever fooled with. So we're glad that you got an up-to-date, nice projector. Uh, in February of this year, I'm sorry, yes. In February of this year, we went to a place that I never thought I'd go to. The name, and he knows all about this because he gets updates. But we went to a place called Wanyun. If you will remember, over the years as I've come through here, I've talked about a 400-mile stretch of river that I felt like God was drawing me to. I prayed about it and prayed about it, and finally he started sending me into it. We've now done four crusades in that 400-mile stretch. When we were at a place called White Earth, and I noticed that there's a place on that peninsula called White Earth. Uh, down there they call it uh, uh, White Earth, Tierra Blanca. That's what they call it in Spanish. But we went to a, a, a village uh, there called Tierra Blanca, or White Earth, and that's in that 400-mile stretch. The people on Juanuna, and Juanuna is right almost exactly in the middle of that 400-mile stretch. And we went there uh, to Juanuna, and, I mean to, uh, to Tierra Blanca, and the people from Juanuna contacted us. And they wanted to know if they could come and be with us in the Congresso. Giancarlos called me and asked me about it. And I said, sure, bring them on. Well, they loaded, listen to this now, 120 people plus in what they call a pecky pecky boat, which is nothing more than a huge canoe. It's made out of wood. It's got a little single cylinder Chinese-built diesel engine on the back of it that pushes it along about five or six miles an hour. They got on that boat. They run that boat for two days and nights to get there, to be with us, to hear the preached word of God. They were hungry for the word of God. I've been in a lot of places down there. We've preached in a lot of places, but I will tell you, I have never, ever in all my missionary work been in a place that they were as hungry for the word of God as these people are. 
A few months later, we went to a place called uh, Odigiano, which we had been before, and they came up there. That was three days and nights. Can you imagine being on this little boat? It's about 50 feet long, probably. I didn't actually get to see the boat itself. I got a picture of it. But uh, it was probably about 50, 60 feet long, maybe a little longer than that. And it, the sides curve. Maybe it had seats in it, maybe it didn't. They lean up against the side and try to brace themselves, and they stay there in that thing for 24, uh, 36, 48 hours, whatever it takes to get there. And uh, I have seen these people set out in the rain because we didn't have an enclosed place to have this, but it, when it started raining, they didn't leave and run for shelter. They continued to hear the word of God. I remember one time being there, when we had a storm come through and tore the tent down that we were preaching under until all there was was a little piece of tent over the pulpit and the man by the name of Dan Waite was preaching that day, they gathered around him, refused to leave as he preached the word of God. They are hungry for the word of God down there and that is what we're doing more than anything else. We're distributing the word of God to them. February trip was a monumental thing. Asked me to come to one Una in February. I could not find any way to do it. You cannot fly in there. If you could, there's no place to stay. It would be a horrible way to try to run a control. It could be done by a younger fella. Uh, and so there is no boats that are reliable through there so you can't get on public boat to go and the only way that I could find to go was to charter a boat and the cheapest one I could find was $40,000 I spent the $40,000 for the boat then when I got there it cost me $19,000 to feed those people we spent a total of $5,000 to do it almost broke me. I remember the day I was standing in my living room there talking to my wife, and I told my wife, I just said, we had, I talked about it. I, I wanted to do it. I felt like I should do it. I didn't know how to do it. I just told her, I said, I'm going to do it. Somehow or another, I'm going to do a congresso down there. And we spent an awful lot of money. But I want to tell you, we had, they told us, they said, you know, if you will come down here, we'll have a thousand people for you to preach to. Right up. Oh, come on, give me a break. But they was telling the truth. We actually had 1,100 people to show up there for services. And may I tell you, the only reason we didn't have 1,500, there was 15 more churches, more villages trying to get there that simply couldn't because the weather was so bad. We were having torrential rainstorms. It was a Terrible time for them to be coming, and they just simply couldn't get there. If we go back, and if the weather is any improved at that time of the year, there's no doubt in my mind that we'll have 1,500 to 2,000 people there, which is going to run the price up around $100,000 to do the trip. I've told God that I will do it if he will finance it. I'm not going to borrow the money to do it. I'm more than capable of doing that. I, got, I can borrow as much money if I need to. But it is a mistake to borrow money to do mission work, but never raise it once you have spent it. It just doesn't work that way. And, uh, you know, people, oh, well, you've already done it. I don't put any money in it. So I'm, I'm look, waiting to look and see whether or not we can do this. 
I got a video that I'm fixing to run for you of this uh, great crusade that we had there. Remember, we had 1,100 people there. Now, folks, this is out in the middle of nowhere. I'm telling you, this is out in the middle of nowhere. And you can look for it. One Yuna, uh, you can do a search for it and find it on the Amazon River. And I'm telling you, it's about halfway down that 400-mile stretch. Roll the second video for me, please. Let's take a look at it. This is the, the first thing that comes up is going to be this boat that we went on. Here we go. Hello and greetings from all of us at South American Call. This is a video report about the wonderful trip we made to Juanuna, Peru, deep in the Amazon jungle. This was by far the most expensive Congresso we Those are all picky, picky boats. In excess of $80,000. $40,000 of that was for the boat rental alone. But it was worth every penny of it. We traveled four days and nights to find hundreds waiting to greet us and many waving signs complete with the names of our ministers. They were eager to hear the glorious gospel message. In fact, over 1,100 people attended from a total of 35 villages, 45 small struggling congregations in need of true biblical teaching, left their homes and traveled many miles by boat to be with us. People from two of the villages traveled a day and a half to get there in little pecky pecky boats. 35 pastors were there. Pastors who were in need of teaching and training. 34 of these villages were at a congresso for the first time seeking and desiring the truth of the word of God and they were not disappointed. Pastors McElroy, Causey, and Hightower preached, instructed, taught, admonished, and reaped full altars at service after service. The messages they preached were not theirs. I believe they were standing between God and Wanuna as mouthpieces of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They stood between the cross of Christ and Wanuna to deliver the message of unmerited favor or the forgiveness of sin through his shed blood. The anointing of the Holy Spirit was unbelievably strong, drawing the listeners into the very arms of Jesus Christ. The children's ministry was well organized and powerful. 350 children showed up to be in children's church. 50 of them found a savior. Mickey Fababa, our children's minister for this trip, preached and taught powerful messages and lessons to the kids. He has a wonderful gift for working with them. They sang songs, listened to stories about Jesus, colored pictures that had biblical themes and set and stood transfixed as Mickey taught and preached to them. As I mentioned earlier, 50 of them chose eternal life for the very first time. Some of those very kids will be in heaven when I get there. Folks, ministry doesn't get any better than this. I give God praise for all of it. They all receive treat bags and gifts. Never had these kids been ministered to so wonderfully. Rosalind Miller was responsible for the organization and operation of the kids' ministry as well as procuring the treats and coloring sheets for them. Bishop Hightower preached, taught, and planted 22 house churches. He provided the materials for them to study along with the Heart of Man charts so that they could go back and win the lost in their communities and teach them how to make heaven their home. Isn't that what it's all about? 
I'm excited about where God will take us next. I am seeking his will and waiting his voice. At this point, I am looking to do three congressos over the next 12 months or so. We are firmly affixed in that 400-mile stretch of the Amazon River that I have been praying and talking about for many years. We are there. I believe the stretch of river is where he wants us. I feel sure another trip to Wanuna is in the near future, as well as Odijana and White Earth. Also, we are planning a pastor's training series in Contamana beginning June 19th of this year. Hopefully, more training will follow. Our leader among the Shipibo people, Bishop Ernesto, is getting ready to plant many house churches up the Pisgah River. I am very excited about moving even further into the Shipibo community. I want to thank all of you for the tremendous financial support we have received, without which none of this would be possible. Please pray that God will lead us, sustain us, and open the doors necessary for this coming year's work. May God richly bless you. Would you praise the Lord for Wayuna? That was a great trip. Uh, we just got back just uh, three or four weeks ago uh, from Contamana, um, where we did a pastor's conference. This is new stuff. We're continuing to pick up new stuff we're doing. The pastor's conference was an absolutely astounding success. It was unbelievable how good it was. And I, I guess that sounds like I'm tooting my own horn, but I don't mean it that way. It was a God thing. I didn't know if it'd work or not. Greg Colsey, a man has been preaching with me for years on this river, and he preaches in a lot of places in South America and other places as well. Great man of God. Uh, but uh, Greg said, Joe, we need to go into that Contamana area with pastor's confidence. We've got a lot of pastors that are following us now and listening to us. And so he pushed us, and I said, okay, I'll tell you what. I said, you set it up. And, uh, and I'll, uh, I'll finance it, because I had the finances for that. It wasn't going to be a whole lot, five or $6,000. And so he said, uh, okay, well turned out that I had to finance it and set it up too. Cause <laughs> Actually, all, all he wants is to have a place to preach. That's the preachingest man I've seen in my life. You can, you can have him come in the door, throw a Bible at him. He'll have a message time he gets the pulpit. I've never seen a man quite like him. He is a tremendous man of God, and I enjoy hearing him preach. He preaches one of the greatest messages I ever heard on the Holy Spirit there one night. I never will forget it. That was in a place called Canaan, uh, not too far from, from uh, Contamana. But anyhow, in Contamana, uh, the people came. We had almost 100 to come for that, for that pastor's conference. And we had uh, almost 50 of them that was there for every service. We had seven services a day. And they showed up, almost all of them, for every service. Can you believe that? And the teaching. And they ate the teaching up. They loved the teaching. They sat there writing down every note they could get down. And we were excited about it. But there was something that happened we gave them all, um, you, uh, I don't have a video to show you of this, but uh, they, they received uh, uh, the little, pl uh, not plaques, but uh, little um, certificates that, uh, that told that they had attended that. But before we left, they decided that the Bible teaches that they should bless those that bless them. I, I, put, I don't know if I put that in the newsletter or not. 
Let me tell you, they gave us an offering. They took up a total. Now, this may not sound like any money to you, but from a place like that, it's a lot of money. They gave us about $85 to bless us. Now, I immediately gave that to one of my ministers down there, but in, quietly in the background so it's not to hurt anybody's feelings because I didn't want to take it. Uh, but but we gave, they gave that to us. A preacher told me years ago, if you could get your your in your uh, in your where you get their billfold sanctified, you was making progress. <laughs> and, and you see, they decided that the Word of God taught that, so they were going to do that. And uh, so that that just really touched me. We will probably be doing more of these from time to time. It's a nice. Uh, it works really good. It's a. It's not expensive, and uh, they pay, most of them paid for their own way there. Now I paid to feed them. Uh, I paid, uh, you know, for the equipment and all that kind of stuff that we used. And we spent probably five, six thousand dollars on it, tops, and uh, and it was very, very productive. We're really happy about that. So we'll be doing that again. Uh, we've got a crusade coming up in October. We'll be going to Contamana doing a crusade there. Contamana is the gateway, 400-mile stretch, and it is very, uh, we're, it's very important to us right now. And we got a lot of preachers there that love what we do. Now, I want to tell you something. This is extremely important to me that you understand this. Mickey Fababa, who was born and raised on that river up and down that 400-mile stretch, tremendous young man. He's now married a girl from America who I took down there. She met him. God told her to marry him, and she did, and they are living in Contamana now, and they are working for the Lord, and I'm working with them, and they're working with me. Mickey told me that the people in the area down there was telling that almost all the knowledge, real knowledge they had about God and his word came from the congressos that we came down in there and did the camp meetings. That blowed my mind. You see, I'm not looking for recognition. If I'm going to do all of this, if I'm going to spend hundreds of thousands, make no mistake about it, we're spending millions of dollars doing this stuff, and people are giving it to me to spend. But if I'm going to do that, I want to know that we're making progress because this is not my money I'm spending, Pastor. This is God's money. And I am just thrilled that they have... Uh, uh, that they that, that they are that thankful to receive the teaching of the word of God that we give them. If you have your Bibles and like to read with me, turn with me to Jeremiah 1 and 5. Jeremiah 1 and 5. I want to talk to you a little bit. How many of you remember a few years ago, Pastor, I know you remember this, there was a group out and they wrote books and all that kind of stuff called God Chasers. Have you heard about that? I want to elaborate. I want to clarify something, okay? I'm not talking about your pastor saying to you and seek God and draw closer to him. That's not what the God Chasers were doing. The God Chasers was running over here because they heard the fire was falling and running back over here because they heard the fire was falling and trying to find some place that the fire was falling. I want to talk about that. I think it's an odd term. In Jeremiah 1 and 5 it says, before I formed thee in the belly, 
I knew thee. This is very important. Listen to this. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, or separated thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. I think I'm going to read that again, because the first time I read it, I had to go back and read it several times to see if that was as good as I thought it was. Before I formed thee in the belly of his mother, of course, I knew thee, God said. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I separated you, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the better than this. This is just the tip of the iceberg right here. He said, I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations, not to the Israelites only, but to the Gentiles and so forth and so Egyptians, the Philistines, all of those. I ordained you a prophet to these people. The ordination of him to be a prophet was not done in any specific time, but in eternity. In eternity. In the mind and thought of God. It was done before Jeremiah was ever born. He had a future. He was foreordained to this office before the foundation of the world of which a declaration was made unto him when he was now called unto it. Paul the apostle was similarly called, Romans 1 and 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. Listen to me, church. You are not just some random happening. No, you're not. We are born with purpose. God has a plan for your life. He had that plan for your life before you were ever conceived. He has always been aware of us. We were always in his plans. We can no more escape his presence than a leopard can shed his spots. Where would we go to get away from him, from the presence of God, from being in his consciousness? How would you go about doing that? Psalmist said in 139 and 8, and this is a great passage. You ought to read this a few times when you get on. Whether shall I go from thy spirit or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend to heaven, they were there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. From one extreme to the other and everything in between. Boy, I feel this. This is a message God gave me. I didn't write this message. God wrote it for me. If, if I take the wings of the morning, what that's talking about is when the sun first comes up in the east and flashes across with that kind of speed, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, listen to this now, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Doesn't matter if the light's on or not, he sees you and he sees what you're doing and the progress you're making for him. Can you say praise the Lord? The Amplified says, even the darkness is not dark to you and conceals nothing from you, but the night 
shines as bright as the day, darkness and light are alike to you. Now, if I go into a room and there's a light switch in it at night, I'm going to turn it on. My wife may stumble through. Sometimes she won't turn the light on. I'm going to turn the light on. I like the light. Psalms 139 and 13 says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in mother's womb. The new living says of this, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. If that was the only passage of scripture we had against abortion, that'd be all we'd need. If God took the time to knit you together in your mother's womb, then no man should go in there and destroy that life. You hear me today? America will pay and is paying a horrible price right now for the destruction of millions and millions of babies. I will praise thee. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. And that my soul knoweth right well. My substance, please, don't let your mind. You need to go back and read this passage when you get on. Psalms 139. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. It is referring to being created and born in the mother's womb. The Amplified says, my was not hidden from you when I was being formed in secret and intricately and skillfully formed as if embroidered with many colors in the depths of the earth. And your mother, thine eyes did see my substance. Now this is the most important verse that I'm reading to you in this series. 139 and 16, Psalms 139. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. May I give you Job's translation of that? Before you ever two molecules were put together that's going to be Joe Mercer, I already had the plans and had a list of every part that would go into you. You are not some chance happening. Whether you're saved, whether you're lost, God gave you life and he gave you a plan if you will allow him to fulfill that plan in your life. The God chasers. Chasing God's not a term to me. I never did get really excited about that back then. I didn't buy any of their books. That's what it was about, actually. <laughs> Can we chase something that is not running away from us? I love this message. God has never run away from you. You don't have to chase him. Why chase something that is already with us? Lo, I am with you always. I read that someplace. May I tell you that it has always been God searching for us, calling us and wanting us. Please get a handle on this message. It might just revolutionize your life. In fact, before he ever created man, he created a world that would sustain us. 
He created the food and beauty. I heard a guy preach a message one time, J.E. DeVore. Did you ever know J.E.? He was an overseer in Louisiana. Fabulous man. And he talked about at this lady's funeral, pastor's wife's funeral, I listened to him. He said he would not have created our eyes without beauty for the eyes to behold. He would not have created the ears of the man without music to please the ears. It was a wonderful message that he preached. Food, beauty, sunshine, rain to water the crops, animals to eat, fish to eat. May I tell you, my friend, that God set it all up for me and you from the beginning of this world. For God so loved the world. In Genesis, we find Adam's creation and the second chapter alludes to it in the first chapter. The second chapter goes in detail. Adam and Eve, may I ask you a question? Why in the world would God create man? I've never understood that, Pastor. I'm sorry. That's just something. I'm telling you, I don't understand that. You see, God is the ultimate prophecy preacher. <laughs> you see, God really does know the future. He knows the future and the past just like you read the newspaper. But there must have been a meeting in heaven one day when Jesus and the Father came together. And, he, and may I tell you that there must have been a conversation went on. As the Father said, I knew this day was coming. The Bible tells us he was a, lame, a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This was not an afterthought. From the very foundation of the world, both the Father and the Son knew this day was coming. They knew it. And the time come when God said, it's time for you to go down there, my son. I think he said to him, I don't want to send you for this, but I always knew you'd have to go because you are the only person that has ever been that has got the power and the worth that you're would be so powerful as to cleanse the entire human race. For nine months, Jesus was not was like any other little embryo waiting to be born. There were no shortcuts here. This was Jesus, the Son of God, taking on the form of a man. Every year, Christians around the world would take time to elaborate, to celebrate this event. What an event it was. The time when Christ took on the form of a man as the great God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob brought about a miracle to save man. But he didn't stay a little baby. May I tell you that was a blessed event. God sent the angels out in the fields to tell the little shepherd boys that nobody had much respect for. Ah, the Messiah has come. He's laying in a manger. Come and see him. He has just been born. He didn't stay a baby long. He grew just like any other baby. He had to learn to walk and to talk and do all the things grown-ups do. But along the way, in his pursuit of mankind, he performed miracles. And each and every miracle that was a part of his work to show man that God loved us and that he, Jesus, was promised Messiah. His trip to this world was reasons. One reason shed his blood, but another reason was the world to know that he was the Messiah, that he was real, and there was forgiveness, and there was eternal life in his name. 
He turned the water into wine and he healed the blind and he cast out devils and he healed lepers. And every time he did one of those things, it was a scream to the world to say, hey, I am the promised Messiah. Would you raise your hand and praise him? He raised the dead. I've been there to that place where Lazarus came forth. I stood outside the old tomb where his body laid. Sister said, you know, if you'd been here, you wouldn't have died. He said, he'll live again. He said, well, I know he will in the resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection. That's one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. I am the resurrection, Jesus said. And he called Lazarus. He said, take me to him. He said, well, Jesus, he's stinking by now. He's been dead in the grave for several days, and he stinks. They didn't bomb him back then. They said, he'd be stinking by now. But he went anyhow, and when he got there, he called out to Lazarus. He said, Lazarus, come forth out of that grave. And when he did that old dead, putrefied blood all at once, it was warm and ready to flow again. The heart the beat, beat again, again, and again as it began to force that blood back into the important parts of the body. The brain came together. Uh, the lungs came together. Everything began to work again. My God, have mercy. All at once, he was strength came into his muscles and he was able to stand and come forth out of the grave. Because Jesus spoke to him. And in this one of his very greatest miracles, he exclaimed and cried and hollered to the whole world, I am the Messiah. I am the only one that can do this kind of thing. He opened deaf ears. He was, you see, in many more ways he did as he shouted to the world, I am here, I am real, I am the promised Messiah. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He was in pursuit of eternal life. When he was on the cross and in the garden, he told them, he said, I could call 10,000 angels. 72,000 angels is actually what the translation there means, 6,000 in one legion. He said, I could call 72,000 thousand angels but he said if I did that you would have no Messiah I must die and I must come forth again I am the Messiah he is the only one somebody say praise the Lord he allowed the soldiers to beat him with a cat of nine tails he carried his cross to his execution the world was not pursuing him he was pursuing us. I never thought I would live through a time in the United States of America when Jesus and the word of God and Christians would be hated like they are today. Never seen anything like it. But they can hate him all they want to. He is still the only way to eternal life. Somebody praise him this morning. On the cross, John 3 and 14, 
And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have life everlasting. For God sent not his Son of the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God started pursuing me before I, you know, before I was ever born. God had a plan for my life. I'm fixing to prove it. To when I was about seven years old, I was living in an old house on Route 2, Louisiana, I believe it was, Pioneer, Louisiana. I almost died of pneumonia. I've almost died twice in South America. But I almost died of pneumonia while I was there. While I was a little fella. And I was skinny. I know I don't look like I've ever been skinny, but I was at one time. And I was malnourished looking, although my mother fed me best she could. One night, it was so cold there. She said, Joe, you need to get up and go on into the room. We, we had a, an old tin wood stove. I don't know if anybody knows what that is or not, but Daddy had it packed full of, of good, uh, good uh, firewood, and the thing was glowing red. It was hot, but you'd burn up on one side and freeze on the other. I went in there and got under the cover, and for some reason or other, which I didn't understand, I began to cry. My mama come in and she immediately recognized what it was and she said to me, son, that's the Lord, you need to be saved. He's dealing with your heart. You need to ask him to forgive you of your sins. I didn't know what sin was. Didn't know why I needed forgiveness. But I knew my mother and I knew she was a good woman. And when she told me to do that, I did what she said and I turned over my little bony knees and got up under that cover and I said, Lord Jesus, save me from my sin, forgive me my sin and come into my life. And all I can tell you about that experience was as soon as I did that, there was a peace, sweet peace that come over my life. And, 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 and he saved me. I've had to go back to the cross many times. Don't quit praying. Don't quit going back to the cross. Whatever happens in your life, pursue Jesus Christ in the way he intended you to do. Several years before that, when I was still in my mother's womb, a woman came to my mother and said to her, you know, we got a lot of prophets these days. I'm told that you can go to a school of prophets and learn to be a prophet. I've heard that. And they tell you when you first start prophesying that you won't be about 40 or 50% correct. Or you won't, if that's the way you are, you're not a prophet, you're a guesser. In the Old Testament, if you prophesied and said you'd heard from God, and it wasn't true, they would stone you to death. I'm just going to leave it alone, Pastor. I know there's an opening there. I'm well aware of it. But I think I'll just leave that. But this woman came to my mother and she said, God has told me to tell you something. Mom said, what is it? She said, God told me to tell you that the man child, if that had been a modern day prophecy, now we think it's a boy, we're not sure probably as a boy, we're 50% sure it is. Said, you know, but the man child that is within you 
will one day preach the gospel on a foreign soil. Before I was ever born, God told my mother that I would go to the mission field. She told me that, Pastor. She died and took that to the grave with her, but my sister heard it. And after my mother died, she came to me and said, Joe, there's something you need to know. I'm going to tell you this. Mama wouldn't tell you, but I'm going to tell you. And she told me about that prophecy. Mother wouldn't tell me because she didn't want that to make my decision to go. Mother was a very smart woman in God. She knew God and who he was. God already, please listen to this. Already had the plans for my life. He planned for me to be here today. I believe that with all of my heart. And I'm here to share with you the ministry that's going on and let you be, continue to be a part of it, which is what y'all are doing. And I want to tell you that everybody here, God knew you before you were ever born. He knew you before this world was ever t spinning on its axis. God foreknew them. He did foreknow them, did he? destinate to be conformed to the image of his son. I'm telling you today, people, you are not some chance happening. You are not some chance happening. You were planned by God and you may have a hard time believing that, but I'm just telling you that God planned you, there is a purpose for your life. One of my favorite people these days is a guy by the name of Franklin Graham. Somebody won him to the Lord. He is standing up for what is right. I wouldn't agree with all the doctrine that he has. He probably wouldn't agree with all of mine. But there's a lot of what he does I highly approve of. He's fighting abortion tooth, eye, and nail. He loves people. He cares about people. And he's trying to help the country. Somebody won him to the Lord. You come here every Sunday morning hear the word of God be preached. You've got Bibles all over the house. Bibles on your computer, all that kind of stuff. We got people we're preaching to that don't know who God is, don't know who Jesus is. We've given away thousands of Bibles down there, and they still need more. But before you were ever born, God had a life prepared for you. Worship as I sing this old Gary Paxton song that I believe God would have me sing this morning. Time after time I went searching for peace in some void. I was trying to blame all my ills on this world I was surface relationships used me 
till I was done here. And all the while someone was begging to free me from sin. He was there all the time. He was there all the time, waiting patiently in he was there all the time. Never again will I search for some fake rainbow's Now that I have the answer my life is just to run. Share each new day with him is a cup of fresh light. Oh, what I've missed, he's been waiting right there all the time. Sing it. He was there all the time. He was there all the time. Waiting Patiently in line, he was there all the time. He was there all the time. Hallelujah. He was there. All the time, waiting patiently in line. He was there all the time. He has always been there waiting on you. It's never too late to serve God. It's never too late to do something meaningful for him. I'm not telling you go out and get your tent and start preaching revivals. I'm telling you let God lead you. I remember years ago, a guy by the name of Don Walker, you know Don. Don Walker was making a, was doing a, a working a, a youth, a, something or other, youth retreat. And he passed around a, paper to everybody and said, tell me what your most pressing need is from God. And he said, oh, most of them said, my most pressing need 
is to know the will of God for my life. He said, that's pathetic. He told him that. That's sad. He said, I can tell you God's will for each and every one of your lives right now. His will for your life is you be saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit and serve where you're at and if he's got anything else for you to do, he will let you know. I'm gonna bump something here that may offend somebody. I'm gonna bump it anyhow. You always got these people running around with a word for you. I got a word for you, really? Oh, you don't think God can speak to me? Do I believe God may give you a word for somebody? I think that's scriptural. But we got a bunch of people wanting to give you a word. God told me to tell you this, and God told me to tell you that. A woman told my wife one time, said, God told me to tell you to go on a two-week fast. And I hit the roof. I knew the woman. I knew God was, that G, uh, Judy was closer to the Lord than she was. And I knew it wasn't of God. God can speak directly to you. You don't have to wait on somebody, third party, to give you God's direction. He can speak and he will speak and lead you. You just be reading the Bible and you'll find something. That Bible is a marvelous book. You'll be a whole lot better off reading it than you would these books that everybody's selling. Read the Bible. I said, read the Bible. Now, most pastors has got hundreds of Bibles in their library. I'm not knocking that. But the main book that I read is the Bible. And God can direct you through the book. I encourage you to read it. And look for what God wants to do in your life. The plan is already there. And when you get to the point that you're as dedicated as he wants you to be, and you're living like he wants you to live, and you really do want to do his will and not just want to show off, he'll let you know. He'll let you know. Thank you, church. I appreciate your help. When I send out my updates, the first reply I always get is from David. <laughs> that makes me feel so good. <laughs> Way up here in North Dakota. Thank you, Pastor. I encourage you to be one-on-one -on -one with God. God gave me this message to preach. This, did, this is not something I wrote on my own, David, I'm telling you. God bless you. Pastor, thank you for letting us come, and thank you for all you do for us. Praise the Lord. That was fun. Amen. That was fun. It's always good to get Judy playing the piano, too. This coming fall, we are, just to let you know, because I noticed a couple of kids are missing. This coming fall, we are planning on doing, getting full swing with children's ministry and children's church. Okay? And, and, and we're going to do that because the kids are important. We're on our summer months. I don't like to work you too hard during the summer. 
You know, I, I need, you look around, this is what we have, right? And I like to, I work you hard, but I don't want to overwork you. We need a Sabbath break, right? And that's our summer months. And so we're going to be doing that because our kids are important to us. Amen. But Wednesday night, we're going to be switching gears on Wednesday night from Awana to our new program through group. And we are looking forward to it. The kids are going to learn the word. They're going to memor continue memorizing the word. They're still going to get. And we're adding wonderful worship to the time. And I love this. When the pastor's going over, you know, he doesn't, he forgot to look at the clock and, and he's gone over. They even have a section there, Timey's all excited about, called When Pastor Goes Too Long. There's a whole section, do this. And I love that. I love that because I love stuff that makes it easy for our folks and children. And so I love that kind of stuff. And so we like group because you take the call group because it's all ages together learning about Jesus and the older ones help the younger ones and the younger ones get all enthusiastic make the old older kids all enthusiastic about Jesus too so we're doing that so I promise you this coming um, fall we're going to be doing all those things because that's important but I want to tell you something your little ones never bother me I learned a long time I say I grew up in the Lutheran church and we never had children's church for the kids. And we just had to, we used to draw and stuff and pay attention while pastor preached. And we could tell the pastor back everything that he talked to us about. But the thing is, our pastor could always out-preach the babies. There was no nursery back then. He could out-preach the babies hollering. And I've always believed I can out-preach the kids when they're squirming because every kid squirms because they were born with ants in their pants, okay? You saw those kids on the thing? They were all learning about Jesus, but as they were there, they're squirming because that's how, because as Doris used to say, that's how children grow because they need to squirm to get them to grow. And so, um, praise God. Don't ever worry your kids. They might be embarrassing you because you think they're embarrassing you in front of her, but you're, they're not. They're not. We don't worry about the kids. And, and uh, we love them. And in fact, I think the website um, used to say we even love kids with ants in their pants. It's because I never want people to be thinking that they need their kids to be perfect because we aren't. I mean, watch Grandpa here. He, he, he's certainly not perfect, and neither am I, right? Right. That's the message we want to get, because he loves having children around. He, he gets a kick out of them. And uh, so please don't worry about that. So we're doing that. But um, please, if you're not a supporter of South American Call, it's not that hard to do. All you have to do is mark, um, mark your money. That I want this portion of my money to go to South American Call, and then Lorea make sure it goes there. Okay, and if you want to do that, give money towards the kids or the pastors' conferences or the congressos. There's three ways. That, there's three things that need to get funded. Um, lately, we've been helping with the children's ministry because he says I need he. During the pandemic, he says, I need your money. to." I told him, wherever you need our money to go, you just you don't have to ask me. You just put it wherever you need to go with it. 
because um, he's got those three areas that he's doing, the congressos, the children's ministry. So I never want him to feel like his hands are tied from us. It's wherever they need to put it. And because uh, I trust him. I trust him because he gets results. Amen. So aren't we glad he came? Hey, give another praise to the Lord that they Come on. Karen must have really enjoyed it. She's all excited back there. So she loves it when you show movie stores. You know how she gets people to come to church? And I forgot to give it to you, and we got to get, um, we forgot to give, you forgot to remind me to give them a DVD before they left <laughs> last week. Because everybody gets a DVD for the first time they come. And so you forgot to remind me. So I got to get you your DVD because I talked about it. Anyway. God bless you. We had a good time. Amen. I hope, I hope Marion's um, enjoying this at home. And, uh, um, oh, God is so good all the time. God is good. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you. Lord, we pray specifically today for...